welcome to the Staying Ages podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl. I am a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about how dairy is aging you and racial bias in the U.S. dietary guidelines. To get this longevity party started, I'm going to give you guys a few simple tips about why dairy can actually not do a body good. And later, we'll be chatting with our expert for today, the amazing Dr. Milton Mills. He is a critical care physician and plant-based nutrition advocate who you may have seen on that hit documentary, What the Health? or in the viral video advocating for amendments to the upcoming revision of the U.S. Dietary Guidelines. I am so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show. If today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me to get feedback, so any reviews are much appreciated. So today I want to talk about dairy. Um, I've been vegan now for over 20 years, and one of the first things that I had to eliminate from my diet as a kid was milk. Every single time I drank it, I would be sick. I would be incredibly sick. I would have it in Cheerios or whatever and find myself vomiting. So I began to avoid milk, and then finally at the age of 13, I went all in and gave up meat as well. After studying more and more about nutrition, I personally have come to a place in my practice and in my personal convictions that no one diet fits all. I really do believe in bioindividuality and tailoring diets to suit the genetic background, history of conditions, body type, and more of each individual client. All that being said, where we get our food from still matters, folks. And because America in general is producing animal products by inhumane and unnatural means, it is really essential that if you are a meat eater, you are vigilant about where your meat is sourced. Through my own study of nutrition and by observing diehard plant-based and animal-based experts, I've noticed that there actually is common ground. When it comes to diets, The only hard and fast rules that I've commonly heard from experts that I respect is that we should get rid of processed foods, we should get rid of dairy, and gluten. Why? All of these are pro-inflammatory, highly processed, and likely to trigger disease. So basically, anyone who knows anything about nutrition will generally recommend avoiding all of these like the plague. Despite this, and research that proves that the dangers of dairy in particular— are real. The USDA food pyramid still recommends drinking three glasses of milk per day. So today I'm going to give you some information that completely contradicts what is recommended by the USDA and offer several reasons you should really consider removing dairy products completely from your diet. First off, lactose intolerance is very widespread in most non-white ethnic groups. According to our guest, Dr. Mills, 70 to 75 percent or more of African Americans, 95 to 98 percent of Asians, 74 to 78 percent of Native Americans, and around 53 to 58 percent of Latin Americans are lactose intolerant. And this is compared to only 33 to 35 percent or less of those who are from Northeastern European background, which basically means that consuming milk and cheese could lead to disease in most people of color if the guidelines are followed. 
Dairy consumption is linked to asthma and respiratory conditions, ovarian and prostate cancers, and many, many more health conditions. According to the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, Americans now eat more than 33 pounds of cheese per person per year. This is three times more than we did in 1970. This is a major problem because cheese is the number one source of saturated fat in the American diet, and it comes along with high levels of sodium, which increase our risk for all kinds of stuff, high cholesterol levels, hypertension, diabetes, stroke, heart disease. Dairy is also not great for your waistline because it's loaded with calories. Cheese is usually made up of 70% fat or more, which is going to add to your body fat. The other thing is that cheese and other animal products do not have fiber. Fiber is what is essential to help us feel full and help us to control our appetite, which is why some people can go in on cheese and not be able to stop. I know that my clients have a tough time getting rid of it because, to my next point, cheese is highly addictive and it can be hard to kick the habit once you start. What makes cheese so addictive? Well, it's the extremely high concentration of the milk protein casein that when digested results in casomorphins. Casomorphins are opioids, which belong to the same chemical family as morphine and opium, folks, which induce euphoric feelings and they lower pain. But just like morphine and opium, casomorphines are addictive. And if you suddenly stop eating cheese, you might experience uncomfortable withdrawal symptoms and strong cravings. The other thing is that milk consumption has been shown in research to actually increase instances of bone fractures, not decrease them. Studies have shown the populations that consume more dairy actually have higher instances of bone fractures and not less. Tell that to the next person who says milk does a body good. Last but not least, dairy can wreak havoc on your hormones. Why? Your cheese and your milk may contain pus from a cow's bladder infection or mastitis, the inflammation of the mammary gland and udder tissue. Child infected pus. Yes, you heard me right. Most cows are pumped with hormones and antibiotics that make them produce more milk. This, in turn, causes infections in the bladder. The cows get bacterial infections when when they're treated like milk machines by the dairy industry. According to Dr. Michael Greger's NutritionFacts.org, clinical mastitis is responsible for one in six dairy cow deaths on U.S. dairy farms. Yikes. Remember that the next time you bite into your cheesy pasta or nacho cheese dip, it may come with a side of pus. All right, y'all, we're going to take a short break, and right after the break, we'll speak to our awesome guest, Dr. Milton Mills. We are back, and before I introduce our guest, I got to run this clip of a very important speech with just the right amount of shade that Dr. Milton gave arguing for revisions to the U.S. dietary guidelines. Just in case you missed it in all its epic glory, here's a clip. I actually came here this morning to call out the racism that is inherent in the U.S. dietary guidelines. But then as I got a look at this committee, I suddenly understood why it's such an intractable problem. Uh, This committee bears no 
relationship to the uh, general makeup of the American populace and whoever put it together is clearly still practicing the uh, optics of tokenism. Now that is not a uh, attack on any of you as individuals because I'm sure you're all very accomplished and very sincere, but it is outrageous to have a committee that does not reflect the American population. And as non-minority members of this committee, I should think you would be embarrassed looking around this table. But uh, anyway, Uh, I want to talk about the health profiles of communities of color, which, as we know, are generally much worse than the general population. And why is that? It has to do with the guidelines coming out of this committee. I was co-author on a paper published in 1999 called Racial Bias in U.S. Dietary Guidelines, Two Parts. I would encourage you to look it up and read it. But I have actually seen illness caused by your guidelines. As people have already mentioned, the vast majority of people of color in this country are intolerant of the lactose that's in milk. Yet, because they think they have to eat this stuff, they go out, eat it, get sick, and think that they have some sort of intestinal problem. But in fact, when I encourage them to stop eating dairy, uh, they, their problems cleared up. And so uh, it's really outrageous to encourage people to eat foods we know will make them sick, particularly when the number one reason advanced for dairy foods is its calcium content. But African-American women are genetically protected against uh, getting osteoporosis, so we're making them sick for no good reason. People are trash carbs left, right, and center here, and never mention glycemic index. Whole food uh, uh, carbs that have their fiber are excellent. The ones that have their fiber removed, those are the problems. It's not carbs, it's the processed carbs. And lastly, there is no scientific or nutritional reason for people to be consuming uh, dairy products. We have no more reason to suck on the teeth of a cow than we have to suck on the breast of a postpartum weasel. Milton Mills, MD, is a critical care physician in the Washington, D.C. area. He's a member of the Board of Directors of Plant-Based Prevention of Disease Incorporated. He's the former Associate Director of Preventative Medicine and National Advisory Board Member for the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine and a lecturer at community venues throughout the United States. He has been a major contributor to position papers presented by the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine to the United States Department of Agriculture regarding the dietary guidelines for Americans. And he was also the lead plaintiff in PCRM's class action lawsuit that asked for warning labels on milk. Dr. Mills earned his medical degree at Stanford University School of Medicine and completed an internal medicine residency at Georgetown University Hospital. He has published several research journals dealing with racial bias and federal nutrition policy and frequently donates his time via practicing at free medical clinics, traveling widely, speaking at hospitals, churches, and community centers throughout the country. He was featured in the film What the Health, and he will also appear soon in the upcoming film The Silent Vegan. A major focus of Dr. Mills' patient advisement, as well as his lecturing, is the use of nutritional measures to reduce the risk of major chronic diseases. Thank you so much, Dr. Mills, for being here and speaking to me today. I think one of the first things that we connected on, we had something in common, which was the connection between faith and food. And so I just want you to tell us a little bit about your personal journey, how you ended up plant-based and led you down the path to becoming a doctor who advocates so strongly for for nutrition and the treatment of disease. Um, Sure. When I was uh, 13, I started on a a quest essentially to discover my spiritual 
self. In, uh, in other words, I wanted to uh, address the, the question of whether I, God was real or not, because I had decided that if God was not real, I did not want to spend my life in an endless round of religious mumbo jumbo that didn't amount to anything. But mm. the, the opposite was equally true that if God is real, then um, it's absurd to try and live uh, one's life without acknowledging him. So uh, to cut to the chase, I, I started reading the Bible and talking to God, and he began to speak back to me. Um, and the from what I read uh, in the Bible, looking for a church that was adhering to what was written, I was led to join the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Mm. And uh, the um, Seventh-day Adventist Church encourages its members to become plant-based because um, they teach what the Bible teaches, that it's God's original diet for us and therefore the best diet. Now, knowing that, I, I still didn't adopt a plant-based diet initially because I, I had grown up eating all kinds of meat, and I just really thought that I couldn't live without uh, having meat in my diet. Um, I did eliminate uh, what the church considers unclean meats like pork and shellfish and uh, things like that, but I, I still ate beef and chicken and other kinds of fish. But about a year and a half after I had joined the church, I was struggling with some personal issues and talking to God about it one night. And he said to me very clearly that if I wanted a closer relationship with him, I needed a better diet and I had to stop eating meat. Wow. So, yeah. So I said, well, God, if you want me to stop eating it, please take away the desire um, to eat it. And he did. And, uh, and that's when I um, became uh, plant-based. Uh, I, I initially vegetarian and converting, transitioning to uh, vegan later. But the thing that I found remarkable was that uh, within two or three days, I immediately, um, I, I noticed the difference in, in my health and my energy level, how I felt, how mm. my mind uh, uh, worked. And it was really clear to me that, that this, in fact, was a much better diet um, for, for me as a, as a human being. And, and that started me um, on the pathway of, of trying to help educate others about just how important our diets are. And over the course of the ensuing years, you know, I saw family members, I saw friends um, lose loved ones um, to heart attacks and cancer. Mm. When, you know, uh, I knew in my heart it could have been prevented. And that was, it was heartbreaking and tragic. And so I, uh, I decided that I wanted to dedicate my life to helping people um, understand that uh, if we ate and lived differently, we wouldn't be subject to the disease and premature death that we see in our country. And that's what ultimately led me to uh, go into medicine. Wow, that's awesome. 
Um, that's amazing. So you basically had supernatural help <laughs> to stop the yeah. meat eating. That's amazing. Um, so I want to talk about dairy, um, but I also want to talk about it because on this show we talk about longevity and we're trying to look and feel amazing. And I really do sure. believe that dairy is something that ages you um, quickly, uh, a lot of times for most people. But um, can you explain for people who don't really understand what dairy is and whether or not there are any health benefits to actually consuming it? Sure. Um, well, the, the first thing that people have to understand is that all mammals, mammalian species make milk. The mm-hmm. female or the species make uh, um, milk for their babies. And the point of that is that milk is a fluid made by mammal mothers to stimulate growth and immune development in their young. It is not and has never has been something that uh, was intended to be consumed by adult uh, animals. Uh, it is it is specifically designed with growth enhancers, growth promoters, and immune stimulants and and hormones in the the, the milk itself that will stimulate growth and development in each individual species. And what's really interesting is that if you look at the different milks found in different animals, they're all they're all very different. Mm. because they contain the components that that particular species needs. Right. Now, there are some, 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 some broad differences. Um, one of the things that you find is that the milk of carnivore um, uh, species tends to be, have a lot more fat mm-hmm. and a lot more protein in it than um, other species, and that's because the carnivores have their uh, babies at a very immature stage of development, and they the babies are growing very, very rapidly, and therefore need a lot of energy and a lot of of uh, uh, protein so that they can they can grow effectively. Um, and in fact, if you say try to raise a baby, uh, a, a kitten or a puppy on human milk that kitten or puppy would die. Right. And the reason is that human milk does not have nearly enough protein or fat in it um, uh, to support the growth of of, of those uh, uh, carnivore infants. Mm. Um, Now, when you look at uh, human milk, human milk has the lowest protein content of any animal species on the earth. And that's because human beings are the slowest growing of all the animals on the planet. Mm. But what? But the, the other thing that is, is very interesting and telling is that proportionately, human milk has more sugar than any other uh, uh, species. And the reason is because the human brain is so much bigger than other animals uh, um, uh, relative to size. And the brain uses only sugar for its metabolism and therefore um, our baby's brains need a lot of sugar and the fact is that when people raise their infants and feeding them cow's milk they're really starving that infant's brain for energy because it's not getting enough sugar wow but yeah but but the fact that that 
there are these growth promoters and immune stimulants. I mean, that's very effective and important if you're an infant. But if you are an adult, your cells are not supposed to be trying to grow and your immune system should not be overstimulated. So what happens when adults drink milk, it can turn on growth genes that can promote the development of tumors and cancers. Um, and this is one reason people have, you know, like lipomas and moles and cysts everywhere because they're eating all of this animal protein that includes dairy that's telling their body to try and grow when it shouldn't be. But the other thing is that the increased inflammation will cause a lot of oxidative stress in the body that will um, age your tissues mm. and, uh, and cause all sorts of oxidative stress that will ultimately result in accelerated aging. That makes a lot of sense. So when you're talking about accelerated growth also to your in the growth, you're you're referring to like insulin growth factor. Right. And uh, which is kind of a mirror of human growth hormone, which for me, what what I get confused about and maybe some of my listeners are confused about this, too, is sometimes people are like, oh, it's a great thing because you can also increase that by intermittent fasting or weight training or um, so there are certain things that can seem to stimulate IGF in a way that's good. Um, well, except you don't want to be stimulating IGF. Um, insulin-like growth factor um, is meant to make your body literally grow. Mm. Your body is, has reached its adult size. It should not be trying to grow because it, 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 it really can't grow. And so that's why when you start stimulating these growth genes, they start forming these abnormal uh, structures like moles and, mm. and skin tags and cysts and, you know, fibroids and breasts and makes men's prostate enlarge. And, you know, and then in a worst case scenario, they actually turn into cancerous tumors. Right. So that is not something that anybody should be trying to do. It is not good. It is not healthy. And that's why the studies show that people that eat the most animal protein and dairy have the highest rate of cancer and also are more likely have a 75% higher risk of premature death. Wow. Do you include eggs as a part of the problem or is it more of the milk and cheese? Uh, ask me that question one more time. I'm sorry. Do you feel like health issues are also can also occur from the consumption of eggs? Because a lot of people lump eggs into dairy along with milk and cheese. Well, yes, and and the reason um, uh, I have a, a lecture on a YouTube called Chemistry for Understanding Nutrition uh, Protein. Mm -hmm. So or you can just and look at protein, and what it explains is that. The the thing that makes animal protein animal protein is that it has very high levels of certain amino acids, including one called leucine. Mm -hmm. And what's important about leucine is that leucine is very important for turning on these uh, master growth genes called mTOR, M-T-O-R yes. uh, uh, genes, which, again, promote overall growth and that's very good and very 
important and very effective when you're an infant and you have a body that is designed to actually grow. Right. But when you're an adult and you turn on these mTOR genes, your your tissues can't grow. They've already reached their adult size. So then what happens is the cells start piling up on one another, and that's when you start getting these lumps and tumors and abnormal structures. And since eggs are designed to create new beings, they are very high in leucine, mm. just like dairy foods are. Mm. And that's another reason we should not be ingesting them. Ah, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Huh. So what about, um, what are the main health issues? You mentioned cancers. What are, what are some other health issues that people should be concerned about from the consumption of dairy? Something that I see in my practice, I, I tend to see tons of women with fibroids and they always seem to have a history of lactose intolerance. Right. And, and it's because, you know, people don't think about it. Uh, and, 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 and I'm not blaming them because they're not encouraged to think about it. But the, the thing that I always have to remind people of is that the only way to get milk from a uh, cow is to get her pregnant. Mm. And if she's pregnant, that means that her body is full of estrogen. Mm. But it, it's actually worse in the commercial dairy industry because in addition to the natural hormones, they give these animals synthetic estrogens to make them produce even more milk than they normally would. Mm. And so whenever people eat or, or ingest dairy products or anything made from milk, they are ingesting extremely high levels of estrogen and other synthetic hormones, which again uh, will act on hormone-sensitive tissues like the uterus, the breast, the prostate in men, and make these tissues uh, start to develop uh, into tumors. Wow. That makes a lot of sense and why it would contribute to estrogen dominance. You're literally consuming. <laughs> you're consuming right, these. Right. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that, you know, a lot of people have lipomas. Mm. Again, what, what ends up happening is when estrogen is taken up by fat cells, it gets um, um, what they call aromatized or its chemical structure uh, gets changed and it starts making the fat cells grow abnormally. Mm. And and that's why people get, a lipoma is just a fat tumor. Um, and uh, uh, it, it, it's not, people should not have these little lumps all over their body, right. um, but they're there because they're ingesting all of these uh, inappropriate foods. The, the other uh, thing I wanna make sure I mention mm-hmm. is that as a Babies are born with immature immune systems. And part of what the mother's milk is designed to do is to stimulate that immune activity and immune growth. And as a result, it is very pro-stimulatory. And again, in an adult with a normally functioning immune system, you start taking things that make that your immune system start to overreact, and you can end up developing uh, autoimmune, autoimmune disorders, yeah. like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, and uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Sjogren's, uh, a host of all of these. Uh, um, uh, another big one that is very common in, in black people is uh, sarcoidosis. 
a lot a lot of black people are afflicted with sarcoidosis and again that is due to an overactive immune system mm. i've i've known people with lupus rheumatoid and sarcoid who have eliminated animal foods from their diet uh both meat and dairy and their disease has gone into remission and wow. they've been able to come off the drugs that they were on well, so, I mean, a lot of the things that we are suffering are self-induced because we are ingesting uh, uh, um, products. I don't even want to call them foods because they they shouldn't be in. They're not food. Uh, they're products that we're ingesting that we shouldn't be ingesting. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you're one of the first um, doctors. Well, I mean, the, the video went viral of you. um um, speaking up about the racial and ethnic bias and the dietary guidelines. And I um, I sure. read the paper that you co-authored with Dr. Bernard and another colleague. It's really, really awesome. Um, I want to say thank you on behalf of everybody black and everybody, every person of color that doesn't even know to advocate for these things. Um, but can you talk to us a little bit about uh, about this bias? Why is it there? What can we do? What do we need to know? Um, well, the bottom line and what people need to know is that there is absolutely no need for dairy products in the human diet whatsoever once um, a, a child has been weaned. And if that child is nursing, they should not be uh, consuming the milk of another species. They should be consuming exclusively human milk. And the um, the, the reason that that dairy products are part of the dietary guidelines and the reason that people are encouraged to eat them have nothing to do with health. It is all due to the marketing efforts of the dairy industry. Mm. Um, they are there just trying to sell products. Now, the main reason that dairy products are promoted to people is allegedly for the calcium that they contain. And the whole point of that is right. that, um, uh, the argument is that if people consume enough calcium, they won't get osteoporosis. Well, number one, the um, scientific field and the government has known for over 100 years that African-American women are genetically protected against osteoporosis. Mm -hmm. African-American women don't get osteoporosis, period. Not unless they have some other disease are on or are on some other medication that makes them uh, lose calcium. But normally, they do not get osteoporosis. So the number one alleged reason that people are encouraged to consume dairy products doesn't even apply to black people. Wow. Um, but, but we also know that 75% of African Americans are lactose intolerant. So in other words, the government is telling you to eat food that it knows is going to make you sick wow. for no benefit. That is as racist as racist can be. No, that makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah, and, uh, um, and then when it comes to prostate cancer, dairy product consumption is the leading uh, risk factor for the development of prostate cancer. And African-American men have a 60% higher incidence rate of prostate cancer than uh, white men. And once we develop prostate cancer, we are more than twice as likely to die from it because we get much more aggressive and deadly forms of this disease. Mm. 
Mm. So here again, there's no reason we should be consuming these dairy foods. Then you look at African-American children who have a much higher rate of asthma relative to the general population. Again, dairy products exacerbate and worsen asthma and make it uh, 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 much worse. So it, these, these racist guidelines are destroying the health of our community for no benefit other than so that dairy farmers can make a profit off, off of us. And that is, that is just pure racism. Wow. What, what do you say to people who say, well, what about the vitamin D? I mean, vitamin D, what about the hormone vitamin D and do we sure. need dairy right. to get it? Right. Right. Okay. Well, the first thing I would I tell them is that it's not a vitamin. Um, the reason uh, the people started calling it a vitamin was because the dairy industry started putting it into their products to entice people to buy them. So the point is this: um, D three, mm-hmm. which is what we're talking about, yes, is not naturally found in dairy products. It's put there artificially, and you don't have to eat uh, consume dairy products to get D3. If we were all running around naked in the sun, like nature intended, we would make our own. <laughs> but because we live indoors and we wear clothes when we're outside, we don't get enough sun exposure. Right. But we can take a D3 supplement just like the dairy. So the dairy industry puts D3 in dairy products. Well, we can skip all of that mucus and pus and crap that uh, they're selling and simply take the D3 supplement on its own. Mm. And I do encourage people to take a D3 supplement, uh, the equivalent of 2,000 IUs or international units yes. every day. It's a very tiny little um, uh, pill or capsule, and that will keep you healthy and take care of all of your D3 needs. Uh, but you do not need um, dairy products to get it. That is awesome. Um what would you, if you could articulate what your ideal for the future of medicine and health and preventative care was, um, what would you say? Um, it would be that medicine would finally uh, understand and accept that human beings are natural plant eaters and start gearing our research to understand how the uh, plant foods affect our bodies beneficially. Mm. And that we would absolutely start um, to discourage people from consuming dairy products, to encourage them to eat as little to uh, uh, to no animal flesh as possible, mm-hmm. and to build their diet around a wide variety of um, plant foods from uh, different categories, such as grains, legumes, root vegetables, green leafy vegetables, um, uh, fruits and and other vegetables, because that has been shown time and again to correlate with not only the greatest longevity, but also the um, maintaining a high level of functionality throughout your life, and also warding off dementia. Awesome! Thank you so much, Dr. Mills. Where can people find you online? Um, I have a website. It's called. Uh, it's titled Dr. Milton Mills plantbasednation.com. So again, all together, no dot, no dashes, just Dr. Milton Mills, plantbasednation.com. 
And they can also go uh, to YouTube and put in my name, Dr. Milton Mills, and a whole um, bunch of lectures that have been posted will come up. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Okay. My pleasure. Take care. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, y'all, it's time to take some questions from Instagram and email. Remember, if you would like to have your question answered on the show, all you have to do, send your girl DMs, slide in my DMs, respond to the call for questions on my profile at The Raw Girl, or contact me via my website, therawgirl.com. So next, we have a question from at the life of a social worker. She says, Dear Raw Girl, what is the best way to lose belly fat? Child, I've heard this one before. I hear you. It's a great question. It's very complex. So if I really wanted to answer this question for you specifically, I would need to know more about you um, and and your body and what your health history has been. But I'm going to tell you instead the various things that I would look out for if you were my client. So being concerned about your waistline and, and the weight being put around your waist is actually a very good thing to do is because... The higher your waist circumference is, the greater your risk is for cardiovascular, for heart disease, for cardiovascular disease, for diabetes. So keeping our waistlines in check is also going to keep disease in check. If you're a woman and you're dealing with post-pregnancy belly weight, that is a whole other issue on its own and has to be approached in a gradual manner while breastfeeding, etc. If you're not dealing with pregnancy, I would also... Um, Check your lifestyle and diet and see how much of your food is actually whole, nutrient-dense food. Check out whether or not you're exercising or not exercising. Um, And also you might need to check on other systems in your body. A common one where belly fat tends to accumulate because that's protecting your internal organs is if you have adrenal issues. So like having a, a kind of like a wider waist circumference, sometimes people are also losing hair, there's stressed out, etc. It's a classic adrenal body type. If that sounds like you, and if you've been through a lot of stress, um, emotional trauma lately, if you're not getting enough rest, you're just running and gunning, um, that's something you might need to do and you might need to, to eat and change your lifestyle in a way to nourish your adrenal glands. The other thing you can check system-wise is you can check on your thyroid. Now, the adrenal and thyroid are connected, but sometimes for women, especially if you're on the, if you're on the spectrum where you feel like, I've been doing I've been doing everything and I see no results and I feel like I can never lose weight. Something might be up with your thyroid and you want to get them to really actually check all the markers that need to be checked. Because a lot of times they don't um, and find out whether or not there's something going on there. And then you can address it from that situation. If none of those things were an issue. And I, and I realized, oh, okay, no, your adrenals are good. Your thyroid is good. This is not a pregnancy issue, et cetera. I would look at whether or not you're exercising effectively. Like maybe you're someone who needs more cardio, et cetera. I would check on your meals and seeing if the macros are balanced and right for your body. I would also make sure to reduce your stress, um, your stress levels and having daily mindfulness, et cetera. And in addition to all these things, the other thing I might recommend is starting a really simple intermittent fasting schedule. It can really help to maintain and shed weight. And this can be just 
This could literally be one full day a week of fasting or just really, really simple, like restricting your eating window daily from like an eight to 10 hour window. It doesn't have to be super extreme. So that's what I got for you, girl. I hope that helps you. Before we close out the show, I want to tell you that if you're as fired up as I was after learning more about the dietary guidelines, there are ways for you to get involved. The meetings are almost complete for the formation of the 2020 to 2025 dietary guidelines, but you can still take some small action to ensure that changes are made. I want you to go ahead and visit www.dietaryguidelines.gov, scroll down and click get involved to get some ideas, and then also submit your comment there. It's important that we are all vocal and show that we are fed up with the dietary guidelines not being culturally inclusive and offering recommendations that actually foster optimal health for all Americans. All right, y'all, it is time to close out the show. Hopefully the show has inspired you to take a good look at your diet and perhaps reconsider getting your daily dairy fix. Food is information, folks. Every single time we eat, we tell our body to feed inflammation and disease or to heal and thrive. So it's really important that we make sure that every single day we are eating in alignment with our best, healthiest selves and choosing foods that nourish us. Unfortunately, dairy is not one of those foods. Remember, a good diet is sometimes more about what you exclude, more so than what you include. In the words of Dr. Joseph Pizzorno, half the cost of illness are wasted on conditions that could be prevented. Well, that's all for today. If you guys are looking for more health tips or have a question for the show, find me on Instagram at The Raw Girl. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. We have more amazing content coming. You can also find me and contact me through my website, therawgirl.com. And for more on the show, visit stayingagelessshow.com. Until next time, I hope you stay on track to living that ageless life.